Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bloomscast. My name is Seth, aka Phantasma Blooms, and I'm coming to you pre-recorded from the Observatorium. As always, I thank you for tuning in today. So, before I really get started in here, all right, I really wanted to talk about you know how today's podcast was just completely changed on its head. All right, I came into this today because, as you can probably tell, I'm a little heated. I'm slightly heated. Look at my boy again, all official and shit. You know, Jello, yeah. First off, before I even go into anything I was about to say, this is a live recording. I'm doing this live on Wisdom, and I am doing this live on Twitch. You know, feel free to follow either of those at Phantasmal Plumes if you want to be a part of the next recording. But I have Jello in chat. I've got people here on Wisdom. We are ready to have a great time. Because, Ayo, I'm not having a good time (laughs) right now. (laughs) I genuinely am upset. And, like, the thing is, is I've talked about this before in the past. I'm not the type to get angry. It takes a lot to get under my skin. And when you finally get there, you know, congratulations, clap, clap, clap to you. It's not an easy feat by any means whatsoever. And I hope, you know, in getting this emotional, this empowered, this fired up about something, I can help anybody who listens to this podcast or, you know, the recordings from YouTube or Twitch or whatever to understand why I'm so fired up about this. Okay, that's why I am, before I even begin all this, I openly challenge anybody that wants to have a conversation about this. It's not an argument. It's not a debate. I want to have a friendly conversation. <laughs> God, I'm not even like two minutes. Oh no, I'm barely two minutes in and I'm slurring my words. Uh, but no, I want to have a friendly conversation about your thoughts. And I want to have people challenge mine. So I'm going to start this podcast by saying, hey, if you want to shoot me a message and defend why you think the way you do about this certain thing, by all means, send it to me on Twitter at Phantasma Plumes. Send it to me on Wisdom at Phantasma Plumes. You can email me at PhantasmaPlumes at gmail.com. That mailbox is always open for you. All right. I wanted to talk about, you know, setting up a goal. You know, starting new goals. Being able to take things from zero. Because you know what? Your boy is proud of himself. Your boy is amazingly proud of himself because... You know, Juju and I, the fox wife who's sitting in the room, they're the recording observatorium. Um, you can see her on Twitch. You should follow me on Twitch just so that you can see how cute she is. But anyway, <laughs> um, I wanted to, you know, have this conversation about setting goals because the fox wife and I have completely changed up our schedules here recently. So that way I am able to go to the gym. After I drop her off at her new gig. I've been doing it now for three, four days. And it's mind-blowing to me. I've kind of changed kind of who I am 120%. Because, hey, yo, your boy was never a morning person to begin with. And now all of a sudden, here I am, rising and shining at like 4 in the morning. 4.30 in the morning. And then the fact that I go to the gym afterwards? Hey, yo, no, that, that wasn't me. <laughs> I actually used to laugh at people like that because I was just like, man, how do y'all have that energy? I wish I had that energy. I don't. 
but now I'm gaining it. It's weird. It's a very weird thing. It's a conversation topic that I've written down and I will come back to. You know, it's also one thing if you guys are part of the Plumes Paradise Discord, I am building into coming tomorrow where I'm talking about, you know, the Forest app, which has been helping me focus more at work. Um, you know, uh, Habitica, which is a habit-forming app that's gaming gamifying it. I have, you know, a group open over there that I want people to feel, you know, welcomed and challenged and empowered to come in and build themselves up better. You know, that was, that was the topic for today. And I also wanted to, you know, give a shout out because we're doing No Shave November right now and we are 50% to our goal. I'm incredibly proud of that. It's the 10th of the month. I still have two thirds of the month left to go and we're already halfway there. I'm amazingly thankful for my community for that. And everybody listening in right now, I can't thank you enough for continuing to support me the way you do because it's thanks to y'all that I can help make a change in this world. Because, Ayo, here comes the intro to the actual topic today. We're talking about empathy and the lack of it in the world right now. I have been, you know, more than patient, I would say, with a lot of things. The thing that finally got under my skin, though, is one that, you know, I think a lot of people can kind of side with is the student loan ordeal, okay? Mind you, this I don't strive to be a political podcaster by any means. I don't mean to, you know, take away messages of, you know, human, build, like building yourself up, human growth, you know, the kindness that we all have within us. That, at the end of the day, is always going to be what my message is. I ins- I want to inspire people to look inside themselves and do better. Because, let's face it, all of us can do a tiny bit better. Me, myself, I'm fully in that. I talk a lot of shit. I can fully say that. You know, I make jokes that, honestly, aren't the nicest at times. Without making jokes about other things. So... You know, without understanding the world around me 100%. Now, yes, is it for fun? Sure. But at the same time, I can be kinder. I can be more welcoming. I can be more friendly. I do have a terrible, terrible, terrible. For anybody who's ever seen me in real life and who hasn't seen me, you know, animated on stream, I have a terrible resting bitch face. And I want to work on that. Because, you know, if you got to know me, And got to see me and got to see, like, the charity work I'll do or, you know, the safe space that I work to build. Like, I'm completely different from what that glare shows to me. But it also reminds me that the world is judgmental as fuck and it's not empathetical back to me. So, in in making myself more empathetical and understanding the world's problems and understanding where other people are coming from and the way they live their lives, I then hope, in turn, the world does it back to me. And doesn't look at me off the rip and say, oh, he's he's just staring. He's got a terrible glare. Because, hey, yo, no. I really want to talk about how this all really started. Was because I, you know, it's stupid to say. It really is stupid to say. But the reason I became such an empath is because when I was younger, I was bullied all the time. I didn't understand why. And I started making other people's problems my problems. I didn't know I was developing empathy in the worst kind of ways. But 
I wanted to understand why I was being bullied. So I helped other people fix themselves to then try and fix myself afterwards. I became a people pleaser, the worst kind of people pleaser. Because I wanted to save the world. I became a martyr. I wasn't showing empathy. I was showing, you know, basically anything else. Empathy, to just quickly go over it, is being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And, under, and like, going with the goal of understanding the other person. Alright? I didn't have that 100%. I had, it to, I had it to a warped degree when I was younger. And as I've grown up and experienced more things in life, I can tell you with a certainty that I've developed a stronger sense of empathy. Because that I see other people. I can relate to them. I understand them. And now, instead of, you know, sympathy, I'm empathetical because I want to see the world succeed. And I want to do what I can to help other people, whether that's just doing this podcast and making people smile and forget about the world's bullshit for a day or, you know, doing streams, doing charity work, whatever I can do. I want to do it because I want to see the rest of the world succeed. I don't want anyone to have to suffer the way I had to to get to the point where I'm at now. And that, my friends, is how I'm pivoting all this to the student loan debacle. All right. For those of you who don't know, it has been a hot topic conversation ever since President Biden has been elected. One of his big campaign promises was, you know, certain amount. Some people say 5000 Some people say 10000 Certain amount of money being removed from student loan, like holders, which my, I, me, myself, I am one. All right. I never counted on it. I never expected it. But when all of a sudden we get this notification saying, hey, if you go apply here, you can get up to $10,000 or if you got the Pell Grant, $20,000 worth of help. What scared me the most is, let me tell you, I was ecstatic. I was absolutely one of the people that are like, this could help me so much. Because... Just to be upfront with y'all, I've been paying my student loans despite the freeze because I don't want to pay the interest on them. And I've paid like 175 bucks every month to that student loan number. I am incredibly thankful just for the opportunity to have a student loan freeze. But what I'm not thankful of is being told, oh, hey, you know, this $10,000 could be a thing. Or this $20,000 could be a thing. And then all of a sudden the world just stops. And again, at this point, I would like to challenge anybody that wants to have a conversation about this. My email is open on the side. It is plumescast at gmail.com. P-L-U-M-E-S-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. I want to have a conversation about your thoughts on this. Okay? Or anybody in the Twitch chat. You're more than welcome to hop in and be like, this is how I feel about this. Okay? But look, I'm incredibly and amazingly surprised that so many people are cheering that it all of a sudden just was not as unconstitutional. Now, mind you, for everybody that knows anything about political science, it's going to go to, you know, the 
uh, Supreme Court, where it's going to be debated up there, and it's ultimately going to live and die in the Supreme Court. You know, President Biden could veto it, or could, you know, pass it along, possibly. I'm not entirely sure how that one would play out, because it's his home policy. But, you know, he could overrule that, I'm pretty sure, to a certain degree, if he gets the voting properly. But the thing that ultimately just gets to me is there's so many people in any comment that you look through saying, well, I paid my student loans, you should pay yours. Now, I'm going to be upfront with y'all, okay? I fully subscribe to that. I don't believe student loans should be completely obliterated off the market. Because you know what? That's how banks make their money. That's how a good chunk of the government makes their money off of the interest. I understand what interest does for the economy. I understand what taking a loan out and magically paying it off does to the economy. But what I don't understand is why so many people are like, oh my God, yes, they should pay all of it off. You know, I get where y'all are coming from. I understand that, you know, because you didn't get a handout, you're mad about it. I understand that. I sympathize with that. But the thing is, is I really want to know to everybody who thinks that way, how much was your rent? How much was your house mortgage? How much was your car? Let's talk about what the dollar is worth. Okay, because we have lived, now mind you, I like to call myself the voice of the silent generation because, ayo, I'm tired of being silent. I'm tired of being deemed, you know, this non-factor because of the generation before me, how badly I've been messed up by them. Now, for everybody that doesn't understand how, you know, the succession of power goes between generations, let me explain it really quickly. You know, when Generation A comes to power... They make policies that benefit Generation A for the most part, some to Generation B, but Generation B is a little bit bigger. So eventually, Generation B takes power. Generation B holds power until Generation C, who's a little bit bigger, comes and takes over the power. Like, power of the government. And yes, I fully understand that people are going to go through and make, you know, policies that benefit them, that are greedy in nature. I get that. You know, I hate the fact that I feel as though my country is being propelled only by greed, but at the same time, it's just, you know, I hate the fact that every decision has a dollar backing behind it. There's a money trail you can follow, and it's just mind-blowing to me how now we have the baby baby boomer generation who is so much bigger than us, us millennials, us Gen Z, Gen X too. You know, these three groups are smaller than the baby boomers still. The baby boomers are still making all the decisions that impact us. And they are the ones to look at us and be like, well, I paid my student loans. I did this. I did that. You don't deserve handouts. I really just want to know. I really just want to know how much is that house you're living in. Because, look, it's not just a me thing. Okay, yes, it impacts me. Yes, it impacts, you know, how quickly I'm able to go out and start living the life that I was promised I'd live. You know, mind you, after going to college, because I was told all throughout, you know, high school, oh yeah, no, if you don't get a degree, you ain't nothing. 
and a bunch of jobs when you're out of college saying, hey, if you don't have a bachelor's, you ain't nothing. Like, I understand the importance of a college degree. I understand that if you take a loan out, you have to pay it back. I get that. I fully understand that. Again, that's why I don't want student loans to fully be wiped. But I really want to know, you know, why then do we continue to keep pushing people down? Because look, the value of the dollar is not holding up worth a damn compared to what it was back in the past. What you can buy with a dollar back in the past is not what you can buy with one today. And I always make the example, okay? You know, I'm going to toss out a random number. What $100,000 could pay for my dad way back when, you know, he had a five, like my family had a five bedroom house, three and a half baths or two and a half baths. It was a nice house. It was maybe valued at like 300,000 when it was built, maybe 400,000. Tell me why a townhouse, which is a fraction of that fucking size, is valued at 500,000. Mind you, I'm not in the city. I'm nowhere near the city. Like, I'm told constantly by people older than me to be like, hey, oh, you know, you just need to do X, Y, and Z and you'll be fine. Move further away. Prioritize or prioritize on having kids. You want too much because, you know, you're just an entitled millennial. And that's not the case. What I really want to bring in front of everybody is the month, like the value of the dollar has changed. What you could buy for a dollar is what now costs me five. Look, and again, I said this off the rip. It's not about me only. It's about everybody who's, you know, millennial and lower who are trying to make our footing in the world. You know, we've it's been talked about a lot in the newspaper and everything else where, you know, the middle class is shrinking away because it's now a collection of the haves and the have-nots. You know, we're putting more people into lower, like, lower-income-type situations where they can't find housing. Housing is just too expensive. They can barely buy food. You know, they're struggling to live. People, more people every single day are wondering where the fuck they're going to live. And, you know, to get so close to getting a helping hand and then having it snatched away from us and being told, ha ha, you should continue to suffer is but just asinine to me. What blows my mind the most and one thing that I don't think anybody really talks about is our generation has been taught to be self-entrepreneurs. We were taught we have to monetize our hobbies in order to, you know, make a living or have a second job, have a third job. You know, I fully salute the people that work three jobs, four jobs. I used to do it too in college because it was so expensive back then. And I was barely fighting through then. Mind you, back in college, I wasn't working system admin position. No, I was working as entry-level IT. I was working as a public relations representative. I was working at fucking Target doing retail, all three jobs, all going to school full time, you know, and the thing that really also gets me upset is, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it on Twitter, but a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago now, there was a barista that absolutely blew up 
saying, you know, how much Starbucks needed to unionize, you know, how much an eight hour day wasn't worth, you know, or like they're working an eight hour day and that's too much on them. And everybody jumped on their case. They're like, oh, he's just being a punk. You know, how dare these weak kids, you know, complain about X, Y, and Z. I promise I'll stop doing X, Y, and Z. But how dare these weak kids, you know, complain about working an eight-hour job. I work a 10-hour job. I work a 12-hour job. Good for you. If that's how you choose to live your life, by all means. But nobody talked about, you know, people yelling at this poor dude who is being yelled, like, over coffee. Being screamed at by grown-ass adults. And for what? Because their coffee was a little slow? You know, it's just infuriating to me that we can be told, oh, we aren't, we don't deserve handouts. We don't deserve shit. Time and time again. But Ayo, if my coffee's cold, I'm, I'm absolutely in my right to scream at you. A grown-ass adult was screaming at a teenager. A college student. In what world is that okay? The world, like, and it, again, everybody is generally losing empathy. Everybody's generally losing sympathy. And I wanted to take this podcast, this whole episode, to remind people that, hey, you don't, like, you don't have to give us everything that you got. We just want you to understand that we are struggling. We continue to struggle because nobody hears us. No, and like whenever you do hear us, you can't like you cotton pick it to, you know, just the seeds of it. And it's just like, oh, you know, they're complaining about eight hour work days. They're complaining about, you know, unfair treatment, so on and so forth. I have to do with this. I have to do with that. It's not about you. Why does everybody have to suffer? Why can't we continue to look for the best in everybody? You know, people talk about what can we do to reduce crime and shit? I guarantee you, one of the best things you can do is actually treat some people like humans. And give them some help. Get them out of the situation that they're in, so that way maybe they don't have to consider crime. Yes, it's a terrible thing that they do. I'm not justifying anybody's you know, resort to violence or anything like that. But I'm empathetic to see, Ayo, I understand that this is why they came to the conclusion they did. Was it the healthiest one? No. And you know, there's a whole bunch of conversations about mental health, about, you know, well-being, you know, being able to be who you are. And people try and just shut it all up. Why? I don't understand. That's why I'm like, again, I'm fully encouraging anybody and everyone who wants to jump in on this conversation, please do. Emails plumescast at gmail.com. Send an email. I want to know what your thoughts are on all this. Because at the end of the day, empathy is fading. And I just really want to take this episode to not only bring up a good number of examples, but also say, hey, this is how you can show a little more empathy. You know, you have people who are absolutely upset at the world. 
who, you know, get mad whenever they're called Karens because they're like, I'm just trying to do, you know, I'm just trying to get service, so on and so forth. And they're being punk asses. I'm sorry, there's no other way to say it. <coughs> Excuse me. But you have people that are just being terrible to other people and, and fearing, like, oh, you know, this is just how it should be. And I really just want to plead to the empoth, or enthos, enthos of my audience. Dang, I didn't expect a PP stream on the Thursday. I'm sorry. Raymond, it's all good. No, we're we're doing the live plumes cast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. But no, you missed my entire rant about, you know, student loan stuff. And now I'm getting into the juicy part about being empathetical and being mindful and being kind. Like it doesn't cost a fucking thing. And I really just wanna I wanna stress that. I want to talk to everybody and say it doesn't take much to be kind to another person. It doesn't take much to acknowledge their existence. It doesn't take much to say, hey, you're heard. And I still to this day blows my mind how many people are willing to turn a blind eye to the subject. So look, I got, you know, eight real steps to kind of show more empathy in life that I want to go over. And I want to talk more about, you know, how, like, you can apply empathy into your daily life. That's the core thing of this. All right. Because, yeah, all in all, this whole thing that started it, that whole, like, the whole thing that changed this podcast from how to start new, you know, goals and actually sticking with them. And here's some tools which you can help yourself with. No, the thing that ultimately changed it was the student loan things, like the forgiveness programs, are being debated. And we're fighting it. You know, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. And it's just mind-blowing to me how many people are like, yes, good, perfect timing, got the rug pull underneath them, good, good, good. It's sickening. I hate it. So look, you know, in starting all of this, I want to start from, you know, the same playing field. I want to be in that Twitter chat and I want to talk to y'all about being more empathetical. And the first thing you can do in that is let go of your biasness. Like, yes, I can fully see somebody who's paid their student loans off entirely. I respect the hustle. I'm still doing it too. And I'm working hard at it every single day. But understand that just because you did it, just because I'm doing it, doesn't mean that the next generation should continue to do it. Yes, I believe that if you take out student loans, you absolutely should pay them back. But there's no reason why that should be 8% interest rate, 10% interest rate. It's stupid. Yeah, what ha- Raymu brings up a great part. Or great point. What happened to wanting a better future for your kids than what you had? It's not a thing anymore. You know, and I talked about it earlier on. I'm going to repeat it again. But the baby boomers have maintained the power. Typically in political situations, political democracies, the new generation overtakes the old one. But because the baby boomers were just so big, we have not reclaimed voting power over them yet. And I understand most of my wisdom listeners are baby boomers. This is not the podcast app for millennials or Gen Z or anything else. And if you are, by all means, 
talk to me, reach out to me, connect with me. I want to have conversations with you. But no, debt doesn't help circulate the economy. It stalls it. It makes it worse. You know, inflation is continuing, uh, continuously rising up. And instead of doing more to help the people, we're sending more of it off in foreign affairs. Which, yes, it's needed. But, ayo, what about us? Like, and that's the thing, too. You know, in talking about empathy, we are straight out, you know, I'm in this instance, I understand why our money is going across to foreign aid. I understand that we're helping save a bunch of people. I get that. I'm fully about helping that. But where isn't there any way that we can do something back for our own country? I'm not saying reduce how much we're sending off in federal aid or uh, foreign aid. But at the same time, why can't we be empathetical to ourselves? Why can't we look at ourselves and say, hey, we have a problem. Student loan debt is a massive thing in this country. Debt in general is a massive thing in this country. Why then do we continue to say, hey, ma'am, uh, you know, you, you got to pay off the entirety of it. By the way, uh, the people that are saying that are also the ones that, you know, are owning the apartments that are charging you 1800 a month, you know, who make a lot of these decisions. It's just, I, it makes me upset. It makes me very upset and it hurts because greed. No, Shin is right. Shin is a hundred percent right. It's greed. And that's all it is. Everything in this life has a dollar sign behind it and it's terrible. And unless people can pay for apartments and it comes back to hurt the landlords, Exactly. No, Ramu's dead on on that. Look, I'm not asking for people to, you know, completely put aside what they went through. But I want you to remember the struggle you went through and think, do you want that for your kids? Like, people are fully expecting right now that, you know, when this generation passes out, you know, when baby boomers retire, when they pass on, you know, when they unalive, um... The money will come down to the millennials. Well, what about the millennials that don't have, you know, rich baby boomer parents that got screwed over just like everybody else? What about the people that don't have family members like me who, you know, my dad and mom are dead. I ain't getting shit, (laughs) you know? People don't think if consumers cannot buy stuff, they will run out of folks to sell to. Then what? No, they'll just continue to sell to the people they can sell to. And they'll, mar- and they'll come up with different programs to inspire more debt into the generations. Like, one thing that absolutely destroys me is instead of working to try and make things cheaper, we now have programs like, I think it's Kiara or something like that, where you can buy things now and over four months pay it back. Yes, that keeps more money in the pockets of anybody who uses it, but at the same time, you're also paying interest on that. And you're giving more money away and you're spending money you don't have is the reality of it for a lot of people. And they struggle to make those payments. And then, you know, people will say, oh, well, you shouldn't be making those purchases anyway. What about baby food? What about groceries? What about necessities? What about housing? Like, there's nothing here to help. From what I'm seeing in my particular area, 
Landlords are trying to sell to someone else and no one can afford it. Thus, the cycle of debt continues for renters and tenants alike, says Ramu. Shin says, over here, the homeless are being told to go to maids rather than being helped. Yeah, no, nobody cares. And again, I want to, that's the first step to being more empathetical is let go of your bias to it. Yes, we've all struggled in life. Yes, we all went to school. Yes, we all learned. But why then do we continue to perpetuate, you know, well, you su- I suffered, so you have to suffer too. We should be working to try and make things easier for people, to try and make the burden just a little less. You know, hearing people say, well, you know, your priorities aren't correct when I'm trying to save money to buy a house. I'm trying to, you know, do what I can to kind of get my footing in the door. You know, I know I'm lucky compared to a lot of people who are 27 years old. I know a lot of 27 year olds that have a bunch of roommates just to afford a one bedroom apartment. All right. That's not right. And the housing costs are way too high. You know, nobody's getting into these houses. It's going to be another, you know, economic collapse because AO, the rich just want to keep getting richer and the poor are just going to keep getting poorer. That brings me to my next point. You need to be present. You need to be here in this very moment when talking about things that you we have all gone through, talking about experiences, whether it be broken bones, broken marriages, or being in debt. Yes, it's great to be mindful of where you were in the past to relate to somebody, but you also have to look at it in the present. Things aren't, aren't, or aren't the same as they were back in the day. What you went through is still different. Like, you could go through the same experience, the exact same experience, but have a date change. You know, let's just say somebody lost their dad, all right? I've lost my dad. I understand how much it blows, but I also understand that the things I went through to get my dad's, like, estate in order may be different than what it is now thanks to technology. Who says who can access, you know, dad's computer after he's dead? Who has access rights to that? Who has the ability to, you know, go through and check his phone? These are all questions that before in the past, I didn't really have to think too, too much about, you know, yes, it was still a thing, but it changes. Understand that, yes, even though we all go through similar experiences, Even a time difference can make the biggest difference in the world. And it's terrifying that so many people can't do that. People say, well, I paid my student loans. How much were they? How much were your student loans? And how much was everything else around you? How much, how many of you in chat and in wisdom, you know, raise your hand, can afford to, like, on your first paycheck to pay rent for the month? I guarantee you a lot of people would say that they need part of their second check to pay for rent. I used to be like that. I still am like that to some degree, depending on how my check is for the month. But even still, it doesn't stop me from, you know, trying to make a living for myself. But I still hear people that say, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't have taken the loans if you didn't know or if you uh, weren't going to be able to pay them off. I was promised a lot more than what I got. 
you know, it's it's funny. And mind you, I don't expect anything. I don't really want handouts. I don't want people to be like, hey, yo, you know, here's this wad of cash just for living. I don't want any of that. I truly still believe that people need to go through some type of, you know, grit, but it shouldn't be this hard. And look, they're predatory. It's bloody interest. No, it is. It fully is. You know, also, Raymu, thank you for the sub. I greatly appreciate it. Also, I hope you didn't do that because, you know, me saying I'm barely making it through. Trust me, financially, I'm okay. I just have to change my plans a little bit to, there's your handout. Are you proud of me, Daddy? <laughs> no, I'm not asking for that. I wish I could refund that, honestly. But genuinely, you know, I don't want a handout in that kind of regard. I want people to be able to, like, to work, for sure. But I don't think it should continue to be as difficult as it has been. The world should be getting easier, shouldn't it? Why would you want people to go through the same thing you went through? And, you know, especially we don't understand where we, where the person in front of you is standing at. It's different. And look. You know, when you talk to people, okay, this brings into the next point. You need to be able to acknowledge us. That's the biggest problem I would say right now, is that anytime anyone from our generation speaks up against, you know, again, I bring up the Starbucks dude who was crying about working eight hours because he was overworked. And he was misgendered. And he was being yelled at. Nobody looked to experience or to understand their feelings about the situation. Okay? Nobody thought to say, you know, why, what's causing all this? No, they just looked at the fact that the first thing they talked about was AO. He's complaining about eight hours worth of work. Instead of being yelled at by a grown-ass adult about coffee. Of all things. If you can't look at somebody else. And acknowledge their own feelings. Like yes. Is crying about 8 hour workday a little. Yeah, Sure. I can acknowledge that. You know. It's a part of that welcome to the real world mentality. But even still. The circumstances that led to them crying. Not having support from a higher up. Not having. You know. Any time for breaks. Not being able to, you know, balance work and school. We've all went through it. So why then do we look at the eight-hour number and be like, hey, he's just complaining about eight hours. How dare he? And also ridicule that poor person to the point of putting him on fucking national television. Also, Raymu says, so many of my schools committed unalive. They didn't receive the love they needed from their fake friends, their negligent parents. I don't want that from Gen Z. Never. Also, they continue to say, hmm, five hours at one job is torture for me, and eight hours at another job is fine for me. I can buy people crying about an eight-hour job. Oh, 120%. But you know what really just grinds my gears to steal that from Peter Griffin? Is people still say, you know, of this generation, Ayo, you need to monetize your hobbies. 
You need to make money. You need to have separate revenue streams. We're told to invest. We're told to get into crypto. We're told, you know, get into NFTs. We're told, you know, you need to have a side hustle. When people older than us didn't have anything like that. Why? You know, mind you, I stream because I love making people laugh. I love giving safe spaces. I love making it, you know, a fun environment for anybody to come in and talk to and talk about the world and just be okay. I love giving people that little requiem, that phantasma from the world, a thing that shouldn't exist but does. I love that. But so many people see Twitch streamers as, oh, they're just, you know, trying to make money off their hobby. How dare they? You know, or, you know, YouTubers or Etsy designers. Like, I don't believe hobbies should ever need to be monetized just to live. Like, yes, I'm good at games. I'm good at podcasting, I'd like to believe. You know, I make a little bit of change here and there from it. But I would never do it for the money. I do it because I want to share a message. I want to empower people. I, again, want to give people a reprieve from the rest of the world. Just for a little bit. And, you know, I don't think I'm alone in doing, you know, a side hustle, quote-unquote, to, you know, help other people. Initial, being the for, like the forefront of what we're doing. But unfortunately... We're told, oh, hey, you know, you know what, like, this was a real article that came out on, uh, I believe it was the Wall Street Journal, or the Wall Street Constitution, whatever. Um, it was, are you feeling burnt out at your job? You know what would help with the burnout from a job? Getting another job. That was a real article. Like, why? And, you know, I'm not, again, I will say this. I do believe there are extremes on both sides. I won't sit here and say the people on, you know, our anti-work are 100% correct. But I don't believe, you know, people are like, oh, I suffered through all this. You know, pro-capitalism are right either. What we truly need is something that this country hasn't had in a long time. And that's true balance. Be able to please a little bit of both on both sides. You know, it's crazy. It's fully crazy how, you know, so many people can get worked up about so many things when really weren't we supposed to come together as a country and build each other up and make everything happy and positive and, you know, make it better? It's individual greed that is slowly killing it. And, you know, I can't, somebody could easily challenge me. Somebody could say, Seth, if you won that $2 billion Powerball ticket, what would you do with it? And you know what? I have an answer, and I'll tell you that answer. But I'm also going to preface it with this. Words don't mean anything on their own. Words can become actions. Words can become the stepping stones to building something amazing. And that's why I'm going to tell you what I would do with that money. Because, A.O., I want my words, I want to speak it into reality. Because maybe I won't be able to do it, but maybe my community, or maybe somebody who listens to the podcast, or maybe somebody on Wisdom hears it and gets the idea and runs with it, I would fully be okay 
with not even being acknowledged. I want, if I won that $2 billion Powerball ticket, mind you, at the end of taxes and everything else, it would have been like 700000 whatever, or $700 million. That's still a sizable chunk. I would build homeless communities. I've already planned this out multiple times in my head where it's not free. It's 5 to $10 a day. It's powered by primarily by solar power. It's the reason the rent's so low is you have to upkeep it yourself. You can fully lose rights to be in there. But basically these are plastic homes. They are built similar. To, there's a community in Japan that has earthquake-proof homes. That's what I want to mirror. I want to come up with a filtration system that recycles water. You know, this is the way I was thinking about it. Was shower water? Shower water can be, like, first off, yes, you have to run fresh water to it. But recycled rainwater could be captured from, you know, the rooftops and all, pumped into a central irrigation system in which can feed a community garden. The whole premise of it is you guys have to take care of this society. It's a small little one, but it gradually brings people back into society. You know, I want people to say, hey, it's $5 a day or $5 a week, whatever. But when you leave in the morning, your bed has to be made. It has to be clean. You know, if you make a mess, there's you can buy things for like a dollar to clean up. But you have a locked door as long as you need it. The key is individual to you. Yes, this would probably lose money to begin with. But ultimately what it would be is you have these communities of homeless people that don't have anything. To give them a start. Give them the ability to pick themselves up. Because sometimes all anybody needs is a shower and a set of clothes. I want to have, like, I want to partner with a Play-Dohs or something to have them, you know, come out weekly and bring a bunch of clothes and say, okay, you know, these clothes are severely marked down, 75% off. Now, Play-Dohs already does a really low deal. But, AO, if I can further knock that down, I want to do that and give people the resources they need. You know, electricity is solar power. You know, if you use too much of it and you knock everything else out for everybody else, you're the asshole of the community. This is, without a doubt, a community. And I also want to, you know, set up jobs within that community. I want people to, you know, be able to get out, like, be close to a bus station. If I can, I'll build a, you know, MARTA station right nearby. So that way they can get to work. So that way, you know, people have a chance. And the thing is, is you are not guaranteed that home. If you are, if you're convicted of a crime, if you're, you know, found breaking the rules of the little society, you're kicked out. Because I believe everyone deserves a second chance, but I don't believe everyone deserves a free ride. I believe we start there. And you get people who have been ignored by society back into society. And you know what I want? It's $5 up per day. If you feel like you've made a considerable amount of money in, do, in living in this homeless shelter and you want to give back, you can. 
Because here's the thing. When you build a community, when you build friendship, and I want, you know, a community, like a community class, schools in there. I want people to be able to come in and teach. I want to pay a set of teachers to be able to do what they need to do to get homeless people off the streets and get them into a place of safety, a society, a small place, you know, one bedroom, one mini bath, something that it's like a hotel almost. But I want it to basically give people a shot again. I want, and you know, even for criminals too, like people that have gotten out of jail. I want them to have a chance. I don't want people to be turned down because of some, you know, they had weed and that's on their criminal record. You know, I truly believe that if you want to make a change, you got to start at the grassroots. And to start with that, you start with the people who have nothing. Because the people who have nothing are much more appreciative than the people that have everything. And those are the people that will continue to build, like, to take your community and build it even better. That is what I would do. And yes, I would pocket, you know, a couple hundred thousand here, or, you know, not a hundred thousand. Well, no, if it's, if it's a couple hundred mil, like, if it's 700 million, right? Yeah, I'd take a couple hundred thousand. I'd buy myself a nice little house. So that way I had a place to stay. It wouldn't be anything massive. You'll eventually get to the eight thing again, right? Eight thing? What do you mean, Rayma? But no, I, like, I would obviously be a little bit selfish and get something nice for myself. But eight ways to, oh yeah, no, 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 I will get back to that. But no, that's what I would do. Just because I want to see the people around me succeed, and I want to give them a chance. And I believe that's the way to do it. Instead of, you know, building spikes into fucking benches, and making things so uncomfortable that even common folk don't want to use it. You give them a chance. And yes, it may not work, but I'm willing to die trying. But no. That is, so to kind of go back to what Raymond was talking about, the eight ways to better be or better show empathy is, you know, to start with it, listen with a goal to understand. You know, listen in on what people are saying. Don't go in, again, we've talked about it before, don't go in with, you know, your biasness from the past. Don't go in with your present thoughts. Go in to understand where the person's coming from. Take a moment and be in their shoes. You know, and be genuine when you ask these questions because if somebody comes up to you and says hey yo you know i want to know about your experience with housing market don't give immediate solutions no that that's another point that i was going to get to good point Ramu. but don't give immediate solutions without knowing the whole situation no don't even do that refrain from offering any unsolicited advice you know i'll advance that if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I want to have a conversation with you. So, now, mind you, sometimes I have to do this because I am a people pleaser. It's my vice to always want to be like, hey, I want to help. Sometimes I have to ask people, do you want me to listen or do you want me to give you some kind of advice? And, you know, some people will say both. Some people will say, just listen, let me rant or let me vent for a little bit and I'll be okay. You know, 
I'm fine with either or. But you have to, you know, understand where the person's coming from 100% before you can even, and understand, you know, they may not want your advice. It's, you know, they may look at you and be like, well, you just don't understand 100%. And sometimes, you know, when you give people the answers they don't want to hear, they're going to be like, well, I, you know, and that's, that's okay. You know, maybe they just wanted to rent or to vent. They didn't realize it. And now they're like, oh, well, you know, your solution is correct, but I just don't want to do it. And they get aggressive or they get mad at you. Okay. It's not your fault. You gave the right answer. But the thing is, is if they ask you for advice, give advice then. Don't go into it like, oh, well, you know, when I was working in, and again, I keep going back to the student loans bit, but it's the most, it's the most real conversation point right now. This literally happened 30 minutes before I started stream. And that's why I was late to it. But don't go into it saying, well, I just worked like really hard or I got investments or I talked to my parents. You know, we don't have that luxury a lot of the time. Again, you have to, going back to, you know, the eight points, we've talked about it before, you have to be present in this current time, and you can't have your biases about how you feel about the situation. Like, if you fully intend to have a conversation with somebody that is hurting, you cannot go into it and have an idea of that person already, because you will fully skew whatever they say. It's, you know, you have to be impartial. You have to be like a jury, dude, like a juror where you sit and you listen because guess what? Not every guilty or not every plaintiff is, or not every defendant is guilty. Phoenix Wright taught me that one, (laughs) but no, you know, here's the thing too, is you also have to, when I say be present, I also mean that in the physical sense too, you know? Actually pay attention to them. Even if they say something you don't agree with, maintain eye contact. Be true. Like, sit there and be honest. Be, you know, present physically in front of them and listen to them and actually hear them. Absorb what they're saying. (laughs) Jesus, Raimu. Don't assume that Seth is a Viking warrior destined for Valhalla. He is, but don't just assume that. (laughs) I'm definitely not going to Valhalla for the shit I've done in life. (laughs) But, no. Seriously. Sit there and be honest with them. Be true to them. Give them the opportunity to be real with you. Keep eye contact. Watch how they're... Like, prove that you're there. And, you know, give positive body language responses. You know, don't tap your foot. Don't cross your arms. Like... Show that you're willing to be there and listen. Again, ask with a genuine curiosity and prove that you're genuine in asking. And then also, in all that, acknowledge their feelings. You know, everybody can like say, oh yeah, no, I care about you. I want to know what's going on. But nobody, if you don't listen to their feelings, like how, like for example, they could be completely wrong in something. Like, they can be completely mad that McDonald's, you know, ice cream machine isn't working. And they got pissed off at an employee. In that situation, they are wrong. You know, nobody should ever get that irrationally upset over, you know, 
fucking soft serve ice cream. There's a bunch of different ice cream places in the world, but you also have to understand where they are coming from. It may not be correct, but hey, maybe that person, you're like your friend had a bad day and they just wrongly put it out on somebody else. It's not right, but that's how you help people grow. You say, listen, I understand you had a shitty day. I understand, like, I will fool, I got a perfect answer for this. You know, or a perfect situation or story for this. There was one point, and my old roommate Jerry would tell you this, okay? But there was one point where I went berserk trying to get a McFlurry. I had had a shitty day at work. I can't remember. <laughs> you laughing about it back there? Oh, <laughs> my bad. Um, I was about to tell him the McFlurry story. <laughs> But, um, no, there's one point where I was absolutely berserk for some McFlurry and I really wanted, like, I went to four different McDonald's trying to get a McFlurry. I definitely like was more aggressive to these people than I should have been. But at the same time, I was honest with myself, you know, yes, I went and I was an asshole But ever since I haven't done it again, because I was honest with myself, I sat down with myself and I said, hey, why was I like this pissed off about the ice cream machine being broken? Like I to give you the examples, first ice cream machine was down. Okay, I understand. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Drive, you know, in traffic at 10 minutes, get to the next McDonald's. Our ice cream machine's down. Ah, well, that sucks. Thanks, man. Go on to the next one. Third one, after being stuck in traffic for another 15 to 30 minutes, go up to the next McDonald's. Hey, is your ice cream machine working? Oh, no, it's not. Are you fucking kidding me? Those were my exact words. Over a fucking McFlurry. In the fourth one, they finally had it. I was like, thank Christ. Get me a large. I need M&Ms in it. I was so happy to get that McFlurry. But I I really had to sit down with myself. And say, why was I that mad? And I understood that AO, I had a shitty day. It was not right of me to, you know, push that onto somebody else. And in that moment, I became more empathetic. Because I understood from myself, AO, you know, just because I had a shitty day doesn't mean that it was right for me to act the way I did. And I should go apologize. Did I apologize? Yes, I did. Was it, you know, the best way to do it? Probably not. I literally just went to that McDonald's, you know, later on and I saw the same guy and I'm like, hey, man, listen, like the third McDonald's specifically. I was like, hey, man, listen, I just wanted to apologize. Like I ordered some McNuggets or something. I'm like, listen, I just want to apologize. I popped off on you yesterday. It wasn't right of me. You know, I apologize. And he appreciated it, you know, because that's the thing is, you know, when you have these experiences, when you get upset about things you can't control, you know. It's understandable to be upset, but it's also on us to figure out how we should act, how we should behave. And when we misbehave, we have to own up to our actions. In doing that, we become more empathetical to ourselves and then can be more empathetical to the world around us. Because when it happens to us, we understand, oh, hey, I had a similar time, you know, and this brings me to my final point, opening up about a similar experience. I had a similar time. I got pissed off because I didn't get my McFlurry. 
I understand why people were yelling at the Starbucks dude because they didn't get their coffee. Maybe they were having a really rough day and they just needed that boost. I understand it. It doesn't make it right, but it's a growing moment for both people to say, hey, at this point, at this moment, I understand why you are upset. That does not make it right. And this is why. So yeah, no, there's all eight. Wow, I've been going for an hour already. That's kind of wild to me. But no, there's your eight points. To sum it all up one more time, you listen with the goal to understand. You ask with general, like genuine curiosity. You be present in the current moment and understand the circumstances that the person's in. You have to let go. And to do that, you have to let go of your biases. That's point four. You also, if you're not asked for advice, don't give it. You know, if somebody comes up to you and says, I need to rant, let them rant. Be there, be present, be physical with them. Show them positive body language. Keep your eye contact. Smile, nod your head. Prove that you're listening. Ask questions when things come up that you genuinely don't understand. And in asking those questions, acknowledge their feelings. Be genuine with how they feel about, you know, the entire experience. That's why I want, you know, again, to have these conversations about the student loan stuff. Because, why? Um, because, you know, again, I want people to talk to me in their genuine feelings about how they feel about the student loan cancellation. Whether or not they think it was a smart thing that it was struck down or whether or not they think it's going to come through and why they feel the way they do about it. And then, you know, open up about a similar experience. Be able to talk about, you know, a similar time in which you experience some kind of unjust nature and be able to relate to them. Because if you can put yourself in their shoes and understand why people feel the way that they do, then all of a sudden you start to become a little bit kinder. You start to understand the world around you and some of that natural greed that kind of gr- that grinds at all of us disappears. We can all be better people. We can all be kinder, softer, and build other people up. We should be working as a community to, you know, ultimately build the best society we can. We shouldn't make it so because I suffered, you should suffer too. I don't believe the world should be as easy as reaching out your hand and grabbing something. But at the same time, at many junctures of life, a lot of people just like me, you know, Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, don't have the understanding, don't know, like, the questions to ask to even get to the answers that they're looking for. I'm not asking for those handouts. What I am asking for is a roadmap to point me in the right direction so that way I know what I'm doing is correct. And right now, we have none of that. That is what I challenge everybody who listens to this podcast to do. Don't give out everything. But give people a roadmap. Let people talk. Let people get everything off their chest. Because even in just talking about this, in this recording, you know, going from the very beginning of it to now, I think people can tell, even I've gotten softer, even though I was super pissed off before I even started recording. That's the thing I really want to inspire into people, is that you don't have to solve all their problems. You just have to let people get it off their chest and talk about it and get it into the air and share ideas 
and share feelings. Because let's be entirely fair. Everybody can be a little bit better about sharing their own feelings and being kinder. <laughs> Here's your roadmap. Hands you a garbled Raymu coin PDF. Enjoy your billions of dollars. <laughs> oh man, Raymu, if you if you had an actual if you had like some coin, some Bitcoin, some meme coin, whatever, I would invest in it. I'd fully invest in that. <laughs> But anyway, no, I think that is everything I need to say here. And again, you know, I'm not the perfect person saying all this. And I hope in telling everybody these stories and, you know, talking about all these different bullshit experiences, we can all kind of come together and be more honest with each other and say, Ayo, some of the things that are going on in life right now aren't correct. You know, that's why I do the charity work that I do. To try and, you know, raise awareness about the conversations that need to be had. That illuminate the problems that aren't being talked about in society. Because different, bigger issues are going on. We can't just ignore everything, you know? But, again, all of this is what you will make of it. You yourself have to look within yourself and figure out where you stand on this entire spectrum. Are you sympathetic? Are you empathetic? Are you able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and feel the emotions that they feel? Are you just sympathetic to how they feel? It's two completely different things. And, you know, just being sympathetic. Also, it's not charity, Ramu. It's, uh, I don't even think the command's on there, actually. I was going to set it up, and then I got super pissed off about the student loan stuff. My bad. I will get that fixed up. It's in the Discord. Uh, it's like No Shave November dot com forward slash fans member it's like forward slash member forward slash phantasm blooms it's a long thing i don't think the commands are on there no it is not <laughs> but no it's on the discord which anybody's more than welcome to join in by doing exclamation point discord but no that is kind of the whole thing i wanted to talk about was you know we can all do better we can all look inside ourselves and say whether or not we're doing right by the people around us. Yes, it's okay to be selfish at times. Discord. Good lord. But no, it's okay to be selfish at times. It's okay to be proud of the money that you've earned. But at the same time, remember where you came from. That's the one thing too. If you ever became famous, remember the friends that you had in school. And remember where you came from. Never forget the grassroots. Because that's where all trees grow from. Whew. Jesus fuck. <laughs> Alright. I think I have been talking long enough here. So guys, I think I'm, I'm going to give you all the opportunity real quick. If anybody has any conversation topics they want to bring to the table, now is the time to say it. Whether that's in the disc or in the Twitch chat. Uh, if you want to shoot a quick email to plumescast at gmail.com, you're more than welcome to do that. If we don't talk about it uh, this week, we will talk about it next week. Um, next week is uh, the last podcast before my birthday. So I will be talking about all the crazy things that have gone on this year. And, you know, how eventful 27 was for me. And things I've learned being 27 and going into 28, you know. I really, again, in doing all this, oh, ooh, how to de-escalate two well-meaning people fighting via the power of empathy. 
Okay, no. This is a good conversation topic. We can talk about this for a minute. So, Ramu asked, for people who didn't hear me the first time, how to de-escalate two well-meaning people fighting via the power of empathy. So, both people are trying to be empathetical about the same problem. Look, you know, at the end of the day, as we talked about before, you have to be able to find happy mediums. You know, in solving both the right-wing and left-wing problems of the world, there's a bunch of different ways you can approach it. But what we really need at the end of the day is a strong medium answer. Agree to disagree. Figure out what pieces work together. You know, if, say for example, if they are talking about, you know, how to do food, you know, fight global hunger or world hunger rather, which I guess both of the words are the same thing, but that doesn't matter. Person A says, well, hey, we should give them the resources to farm and grow their own crops. While person B says, we should just give them food because we waste so much food here. Both are coming from well-meaning spots when the answer should be a combination of both. You start off by giving people, you know, the food that they need to give them the strength to go farm. Teach them how to farm. You know, the saying is, if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man a fish, he'll eat for the rest of his life. That is true, but the man still needs to eat the fish to understand and have the energy to teach other people how to fish. Find happy mediums. If both people are truly being empathetical and are trying to understand the situation from a genuine like position, then both people can come to a conclusion that should satisfy the both of them. Because being an empath doesn't mean you are correct. Being an empath is seeing the situation from whatever side you can, being in that person's shoes and seeing, well, you know, maybe person A who's arguing to, you know, just give them the tools they need to farm is right on certain degrees, but it needs to be staged. I still think my, my solution is correct by bringing people that need it food because yes, there is a bunch of waste and in doing so, you know, not only do you inspire a community to, you know, see what food waste can really do and maybe make a community rethink how much food they waste, and but you also give another community the ability to farm and the ability to learn and grow and develop. It's a win-win to both sides. At least that's how I would go about it. It may not be the most correct answer, and again, Every situation is going to be different. You can't go into it with any sense of bias. You just have to be as level-headed as you can be and understand what the other person is going through and where the other people who are offering advice are coming from. Because, hey, a lot of the advice and a lot of the emotions that being an empath has come from places of hurt at times. Maybe the person that suggested just giving them food didn't have a lot of money for food growing up. Meanwhile, the person that suggested farming came up from a like from a family that had, you know, the ability to take care of themselves. That doesn't mean either one is wrong. It just means this is where they came from. To be an empath, to stop two empaths from fighting is to be understanding of all parties involved and finding the best happy medium that you can. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> but, you know, I have uh, 
I've been going now for over an hour and 12 minutes. Honestly, I could keep going on this, but I believe I've gotten all my points across. So seriously, I do just want to take a minute to say, you know, on the recording here, uh, to the Wisdomers, thank you so much for being here, being a part of this. Uh, I will be answering more of those questions that have come through in the coming days as time is allotted to me. And, you know, hoping to share more of my profound wisdom with y'all. And to the Twitch stream who's come in, come out. Seriously, I hope, you know, you guys have fun listening to this and hearing just a bit more of the stories. Uh, Merry Christmas, Seth the God Butcher. <laughs> wow. No, but I hope the people that have listened to this live on Twitch, you know, had fun interacting with me. And I hope to the people that are listening to this via, you know, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, whatever this is on, can understand and can grow with this. And I hope this kind of made you smile, made you think, and made you laugh. If I've done those three things, then it's a successful podcast, even if nobody listens to it. But I have people listening right now, so that didn't happen. Yay! (laughs) But anyway, guys, remember, you can find me in the night skies across different platforms. You got Phantasmal Plumes on Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. You can listen to Plumescast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Wisdom, and soon-to-be YouTube. And you can email the show directly by sending it to plumescast at gmail.com. That email again is plumescast, P-L-U-M-E-S-C-A-S-T, at gmail.com. Guys, thank you all so much for listening in. And as always, I'll talk to you from the stars very soon. Until next time, everybody. Bye-bye.